Nice things. Hello, good evening, and welcome to another fun-packed, thrilling edition of Nice Things. Nice Things. The antidote to modern living, and joining myself, Sir Michael Livesley, this week we have... Um, uh, the artist formerly known as Paul Carmichael. <laughs> and uh, currently known as... Uh, just, just Paul, really. Just Paul. Okay, uh, just Paul. Is that like Just Juice from the 80s? They were great adverts. I prefer don't... to think of it as being more like Just William, but I'll, I'll go with Just Juice. Ah, that's because you love You're, Martin straight Jarvis. Straight away, of course, you readings. go for the ITV option. And you go for Martin Jarvis. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, yeah. of course Every you time. do. Didn't he, uh, wasn't Martin Jarvis one of those people like John Alderton who would only ever work with his wife? Now his wife, oh God, I know her name. Yes, I remember See, her pinched face. you've given me one face. of these immediately this week, all I know. of a sudden. I know. Well, we're not going to Google yet. What we're going to do, I think, right. in, a, in a break from tradition, tradition yes. um, which, hey, what a link. Tradition plays very heavily into one of this week's nice things. There we go. Um, nice thing. And I don't yeah. know if that's the right. It looks like it's mirrored on mine, but okay, hopefully it'll uh, look. It's mirrored on mine. It'll work. It's it'll work all right. It looks fine to me. Okay, so yeah. Pender's Fen. Right. <laughs> a review so to sorts. give context first of all yes um my unfortunate amazon gene kicked in uh, the other day because pender's fen just came into my mind or pender's fen and so i looked on amazon thought is there a blu-ray and there was but there were only five left and i thought oh, that's all right no problem nobody else will buy it 24 yeah. hours later i check again there's four left Right. So at that point, my buy it now gene kicked and just went want, and, yes, and I got it. But I couldn't suffer alone. No. So you pick it up from there. <sighs> okay. So yes, um, I, I recall being in a darkened room and you yes. were showing me a phone with an yes. image on it, and and because and because the little chap is so reminiscent of Bok. Mm. Um, from the demons, probably the same prop. Oh no, John Pertie took that one home, didn't he? And he did, put it yeah. in his garden because yeah. he's so reminiscent of Bach, and because it's such a, it's such a, 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 it's an abiding thing that comes up again and again and again and again. Pender's Fen, and Pender's I Fen felt always comes up in conversations about television. Always, it always comes up, and I felt that I had a cultural void there. I did watch it many years ago, but it was would be kind of like a ropey third generation copy and yeah. obviously i can't remember what i had taken when i watched it i thought about this before and it was probably ecstasy if i'm if i'm being honest right. uh, i could be wrong i could be wrong lots of alcohol <coughs> also and oh, yeah, so of and, and so one of those things that sort of you know f fill, filled with the spirit of pan uh, <laughs> you know you kind of think i know what will blow my mind i'm going to watch pender's fen right? right so um and i probably wasn't alone i don't remember anything about it beca because because so, it's 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 like that isn't it yeah now and this is where we come into the realm of is it a nice thing or is it not now yes. for me it, it was an absolute I, immediately i thought well i've got to have it because of a number of factors first of all you've got the spencer banks factor Right, uh, Sp Spencer Banks, one of the two stars of Time Slip, made by ATV in 1970. Him and Cheryl Burfield, travelling through time, meeting Nazis, played by Sandra Les and people like that. Wonderful, wonderful stuff. So it's got Spencer Banks in. Okay, so I thought, okay, that's good. A nice thing. A nice thing. Yeah. Second nice thing, to play for today. That, that's, that's a very two. nice thing. That's a that's two, two for right there. Yeah. yeah. Number three. 1974. The year when rock music hit its peak. Absolutely. Very, yep. very nice. And the umbrella over all of this is, of course, the BBC. Yes. So it's kind of like a a, a, a cardboard cake box mm. with an incredibly enticing cake within it. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 As, yes. as you'd hope would be in a cake box. Well, you would hope. So. You'd hope so. Yeah, except it's not the it's not the television centre shaped cake. Have you watched the documentary yet? I I I I have a phrase for this when I sort of try and watch something right at the beginning. You know, if I catch the, it's like oh, I've not got any time, but I'll watch five or ten minutes of it, and I right. call that tickling its balls. So, <laughs> <laughs> so as for the documentary, I, I tickled its balls. <laughs> 
yeah, oh, yeah, and I did. I saw the, I saw the thing with uh, Chris Rose, was it? David Peter? Rose? David Rose. David, David Rose, Rose, who was the producer of Pender's Fence, saying that they were 110 miles from London and they kind of got left alone. Yeah, nobody knew what they were doing in Pebble Mill, and I yeah. love that. And some of the stuff we made was quite good. Some of it was awful. <laughs> I love the fact that they, they just had that attitude. Yeah. But in my mind, and this is where Pender's Fence is... Of course, it means so much to me. I've read about it in magazines like TV Zone back in 1991. Yeah. Pender's Fen this mythical thing, um, which is part set in 1974 and part set in ancient Roman Britain. And there's battle scenes and all of these things going on. And since I first read about it, I've wanted to see it. Yeah. And as you know... None of that happens in Pender's Fen. No, absolutely none of, none of that happens. I mean, I suppose that the good thing here is it's again one of those things, isn't it, whereby we talk about how the memory, do, do you revisit a memory to see if it lives up to it? But in your instance, in this case, what you've actually got is a sort of equivalent of the Mandela effect, which is, you know, all those people on the internet that swore that they saw that film called Shazam in the 80s starring oh, this yes. comedian called yeah, yeah, Sinbad yeah, yeah. the Sailor. And yeah. the, there's thousands of people on message boards. Yes, we used to get that video out every Christmas. and doesn't exist, right? Yeah. Doesn't exist. So you have concocted and confected an imagined Pender's Fen in your head based around... In the same way that we do it with those episode guides out of the old Doctor Who Monthly, we'd, we'd invent these amazing... Like Genesis of the Daleks, you know, the... Um, I remember reading the episode guide in that, and you know what it goes on about the... Uh, What's the bloody thing that's in the in the shell, the encase, in the mutant? The car, the car led mutant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in that, you know, the swamp and that and everything, the way that it's described, you invent this whole thing, and then that becomes it becomes an artifice, doesn't it? Which is what you've done. No, I haven't. Though I've done something much worse than that because oh, right. what you've done is you've imagined a, a, a big budget Genesis of the yes. Daleks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've imagined something that has never existed. Oh yeah, that's true. Which is quite something. So let's let's come to the subject of what it's about. All right. So I mean, do you want my opinion? Because I, I, I've not had a chance to really read what other people think it's about. But it's funny because okay. at the core of it is duality, isn't it? That's the the, the yeah. heart of it, right? And you've got <laughs> the duality of an invention and the reality of what this show actually is. So I mean, in the first, I mean, it, it's. The duality is the thing about it, isn't it? Light and darkness and uh, good and evil and male and female and sexuality and gender and all those things. And within and, and the, the core of it as well is nationalism, isn't it? It's sort of um, the character. Right. Um, Stephen, isn't it? Stephen Fletcher. Isn't that the main character? I can't remember. The, the time slip boy. I think his name's Stephen Fletcher or something like that. Let's no, call no, him. No, it's not. No, it's not. Uh, is it well, not? No. Let's have a look at the box. So, Simon Randall. Simon Randall. Spencer Banks. Spencer Banks is the actor. He's the actor, but what's the character called? In what? In Pender's Fen. I don't know. The whole thing confused the tits. I know, but I you watched know. it the other night, dear. Hang I on a minute. I watched it last night. Uh, yes, yes, yes. You did. You did. You did. Uh, did it this have his is, name? Uh, this is, why did they print these things so bloody small dear <laughs> D don't they know who's watching these bloody things oh, it is it's steven i told you it was steven well i didn't i thought you were talking about time slip right okay steven no. is that it all right steven yes anyway it doesn't matter steven right. yeah you can google it you've got the internet in your pocket there so right. okay so right the whole thing hinges around duality, doesn't it? So in the first couple of minutes, you've got this sort of this whole setup with Britain, uh, Benjamin Britain conducting Elgar. You've got the Malvern Hills going on, so you've got that whole Worcester thing, and yeah. it's a, it's set in a real place, isn't it? Called uh, Pinvin, right? Yes. Which which when the author David Rudkin went back, he found out was named probably after Pender's Fen, Pender being the last pagan king of England. Who that's was... where I got confused. Yes, that's right. Well. To be honest with you, you are in a bit of a, a Maya there as well. And I got confused. I don't know if this is sort of a confusion that applies to you as well. I used to confuse I Dream of Garantius, which is um, Elgar's piece that uh -huh. he obsesses over in it, isn't yes. it? Now, I used to get mixed up with I Dream of Garantius and, and Elgar's other piece called Caractacus, which is about the last British king of England. Right. And that's weird that a piece that's about the last pagan Saxon king of England... 
I got mixed up Algar's musical piece that's used in a piece about the last pagan Saxon king of England with Algar's other piece, which was about the last British king of England. Correct? Because who the Romans slaughtered on the Malvern Hills. And that's different from the, the, from the song in the court of King Caracas that they sing on Play Away. No. That's exactly who that means. Right. It's an old nursery rhyme. So, um, um, right, let me try and think as well. Um, Right, so I Dream of Gorontius, St. John Henry Newman's poem, right? It's about a dying man. It's about the dream he has after he's died. And he's got a, he's got having a conversation with a demon and an angel, right? Right. That is why it's, that's probably why I dug this a little bit more than yourself, because of that. And I, and I can thank Mr. Mather for that, my music teacher, who was obsessed with Algar. And he showed us the uh, the documentary, the BBC one, the drama oh, documentary. Oh, the Ken Russell one. Yeah, yeah, from yeah. the early 70s. All right, so so there's a duality in Gerontius, isn't there? There's right. a duality with Stephen's character in this, and he's, at the beginning, he's talking about Urian purity, isn't he? And, it, and and so you've got the English landscape, you've got the, uh, the, the concept of uh, purity within the English character and the English psyche and all that stuff. And I think that one of the reasons why... This doesn't particularly because you didn't really like it, did you? Let's cut to the chase. Well, I've I've got a, I've got a slightly different opinion as to what it's about. All right, so I'll finish my point and then no, no, you finish your point, yeah. Um, so um, so there's this duality at the heart of it, and they are examining that all the time. I've only just watched it, listeners, so I do forgive you. Uh, do forgive me for being shit. Um, <laughs> so the reason why it works as well is is because. At the time that it, Alan Clark made it, very political uh, uh, director, theatre director, uh, sorry, film director, um, the establishment was conservative, wasn't it? The whole establishment was conservative. Uh, you've got a sort of forerunner of Murray Whitehouse in that, in which Stephen is, uh, the, the debating society, he's trying to get a, a, a documentary on TV about Jesus Christ banned. So he's, he's trying to take apart the British establishment that existed in 1974, which for the most part was conservative, right? Uh, the orthodoxy was conservative, and so they were destroying it. People like Arne, which is um, Ian Hogg's character in it, he's a lefty author, and he's uh, about destroying it. What I found interesting about the archetype of Arne is that he talks about um, a demonic technocracy that is destroying everything. And 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 the fact the by very virtue of the fact that the left are currently on the side of the technocracy shows you just how far the Overton windows shifted and how much the establishment is now more aligned with the left than the right. So in that regard, it doesn't work now because the the system it talks about has been destroyed, but that left and right thing is another duality. The sexuality side of it is another duality. Um, and he finds out, doesn't he, that he's not pure. He finds out that he's adopted and his parents were foreign. And, well, I mean, go on. You you say what you reckon it's about. Cause it's I, about I, wanking. It's about it's wanking about... all the way. That's all it is. <laughs> that whole thing. <laughs> That's all that the boy needs to do throughout the whole piece. He's so cross at the beginning. <laughs> it's just, and he won't do it. And then he's banging on about Jesus and he's political and he's all... just And it, that's all. And then he starts thinking dirty thoughts in bed. And it's like, well... Off you go, son. No? Well, you'll keep having dirty thoughts. So, so it's about wanking. So as far as I'm concerned, Spencer Banks. Spencer wanks, more like. Right. So if he'd, time splosh. If he'd had uh, just just indulged in a bout of onanism at the beginning, it yes. would have, firstly, have been a very short film. Very a- short film. And we wouldn't have had to, Is that the reason why that fella chops off everyone's hands in that bit? Well, to, to stop them wanking? Well, I, that's all I can imagine it is. I mean, he's right. just stood there, isn't he? He looks like someone, and I can't remember who. Cyril I, Fletcher. I mean, I mean, the thing. Someone like that. The but, thing about it is that that scene is so incongruous; it just doesn't seem to make any sense. No, it absolutely doesn't. Unless me, framed yes. in your belief that it's about wanking. Absolutely. He I'm represents you know. Jesus saying, yes. "No, mm, you do no, that, I'll do chop that your naughty. hands off." There you go. The whole thing is about wanking. All right, forget all my bullshit about Elgar. That's it. I, I mean, it's about the thing wanking. Is, the thing is, though, I am prepared to give it another shot. Not literally. Uh, right. Uh, okay. I thought we were back to Stephen now. No, no, no. Uh, but I'm right. going to. I'm going to watch it again. 
and trying because I, I like the I like the little Bok chap on the front. The Bok chap's I, sound. I would have liked him to have been in it more, apart from at one point where he's just sitting on Stephen, which is stopping him doing what he needs to. Well, yes, and it's in he talks about I can't get the pronunciation right, but it's uh, Manichaeanism, isn't it? That's what he's talking about. His teacher. And now Stephen understands Manichaeanism, which is an early expression of Christianity that is a Gnostic thing. And the, the thing we know about that is from the, the old scrolls they found in the Nag Hammadi library in the 1945. They found them after World War II. They found these Gnostic gospels. So that is a religion as his adopted father, the, the parson, he tells him, doesn't he? Does that hint that he's more aligned with that? But the... But, but, you know, uh, Dead Sea Scrolls to one side for a minute. Mm. The conversation he has with his adopted father, for me, is the best scene in it. You've got the is that lovely... the very hit. long shot? Yes. Right. And, now, that, and that did interest me, yeah. Because the, what he says to him is that when a new religion comes along, you have to call the old god the devil. And he mm. tells it through, he's talking about Joan of Arc, isn't he? How when she's, her last words were, oh, Jesus. As opposed to uh, Adam Faith, whose last words were Channel 5 is shit. Um, so he's, he's saying, what did she see when she saw Jesu? Was it Because doesn't he say pagan means of the village? Yes, that's right. So I found that interesting because I like etymology. And I found the idea that in order to bring forth... Because we are... It's, it's effectively a piece that looks at the death of Christian Britain, isn't it? It's yes. being made in because Alan Clark's obsession is with defining what being British is in the latter half of the twentieth century. Yeah, but always so, with a, this this sort of religious viewpoint yeah. within it as well. Yeah. So he's telling the story of the death of pagan Britain, framing it in the device of the death of Christian Britain, and very much showing that we are barbarians stood within the ruins of empire. Mm. So you know, it's kind of I think that. A, a parallel could be drawn between it if somebody today made uh, something that was mocking the establishment as it is now. You know, all the wokeness, all the, all the transgender stuff, all mm. the other things like that that is the current orthodoxy. That yeah. might give you some idea as to how shocking that must have been then. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. Because I mean, 1974 is, as you say, it's conservative. But I yes. think morally, religiously, everything is quite conservative, I think. And now we think of people who are Christians and conservative, the, the, the sort of popular perception of them is as being devils. Yeah. So you see the point that Clark's trying to make there. And he also, they have him singing Blake, don't they? You know, yes. who was very obsessed with the demon and the angel thing. And so the Garantius thing and the duality. And then went at the end, with an, 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 and this is a spoiler if you ain't seen it. Um, but at the end, Stephen says, doesn't he, to the couple... Who, who were involved with the chopping off of the hands. I wrote it down here. So, I am nothing pure. My race is mixed. My sex is mixed. Light with darkness, mud and flame. You know, so, so it's this duality thing that, that is at the core of it all the time. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I seem a lot more enthusiastic than you about it. <clears throat> I think that you saw it very late at night when you were absolutely fucked after work. Uh, what, I was absolutely fucked on as well. last night. I have to admit that that is the case. And so, But what I loved about it, and there were things, I did love... It's a, Well, I do love a spot of psychogeography, as you know, mm. and just these beautifully oh. framed shots. And it uh, it looks gorgeous. Stunning. It does. Well, I think it's a beautiful sort of print... Isn't it? But yeah. we've got this HD remaster that's gorgeous to look at. So there, there is a lot going for it, but I and I will watch it again. I will give it another go. But until then, it's Time Wanking. Splosh, starring Spencer Wanks. Absolutely, and and um, you know, there are obviously that's going to be part of it as well. You know, as they oh, say yeah. these days, you're both right. Yes, you, you know what I mean. <laughs> um, but I, um, I, what I love about it as well is that only this week we had a conversation of one of Alan Clark's other works, uh, Rita Sue and Bob too, and um, I do, I do, I do so love the way that stirs the breast within the artist formerly known as Paul Carmichael. You don't like Andrea Dambar, do you? You don't like any of that stuff, <laughs> dear. It's just it. It feels like it's got a a film of grease over it, doesn't it? Well, it has. Well, it has. So I don't want to go near it. Thank you. I don't know. No. No. 
No. no. Absolutely not. Is there anything else nice of, thing. Anything else? Not a nice thing. Uh, anything else of Mr. Clark's oeuvre that you uh, you enjoy? I know well, one you'll love. Go on. The Firm with Gary Oldman. Football hooligans. Well, why on earth do you think I would watch something with... I don't know as the words fell from my mouth. <laughs> I realised the error. No. No, that's... that's we're, go, we're going down a, a rabbit like, hole here. Scum. Scum. Scum is Alan... Uh, sorry, Roy Minter, oh, isn't oh, it? Yeah, oh, bugger. Right. Uh, no, no, um, no, actually, no. He wrote it, Alan Clark is Scum. You're quite right. Alan uh, Clark yeah, is Yeah, right. Good. The original BBC version of Scum, I like. But again... Is another confusion in my head. The original BBC version of Scum is interchangeable with the Porridge movie from 1970. <laughs> <laughs> the very similar looking they, yeah. pieces. Yes. They are very similar looking pieces, but all the better for it. All we? the better for it. What I love all about the Porridge for movie is, yes. aside from uh, the brilliant music in it, which is all contemporary from the charts, mm. it's what I like doing with TV is I like watching TV that reflects what's going on outside. So if it's a lovely wintry day, bung the porridge film on because it's snowy. Yes. Right? So it's nice. So there's that sort of communion, isn't there? There's, there's the sort of where the, the shores of reality and entertainment meet. In the same way that when you've got the flu, put survivors yeah. on. Oh, every time. So, so there's that sort of... You, you know, it's it's again, it's a nice thing because it's the ephemera, isn't it? It's the bits around the edge. Absolutely, that's it. That's exactly what it is. In fact, um, yeah, yeah. No, and maybe, maybe this is where uh, I went wrong with Pender's Fern. Maybe it's a winter watch. It is though. Right? It that, absolutely is. is. You've got a, you've got a winter watch there, unfortunately. So. It absolutely is, and uh, um, even though there's not a drop of snow on the ground, is there? But he's mm. very unlikable, the main character. So you've got that as well. Yes, and maybe that maybe I I needed him to be a bit more, yeah, you know, Spencer Banks. Not, yes, you you needed to see the twat mags under the bed, dear. I, I needed to see I need to see him like he just like he was in Time Slip when he was defeating the Nazis as a fourteen year old. That's no. what I want. No, no, um, no, no, well, none not, of that, dear. It, what it, I wanted it, was to watch Time Slip. It turns out not Pendlespen. <laughs> <laughs> so so the question remains: yes. Is it going back? Are we returning Pender's Fen to the BFI dungeon? I don't know. Are you going to keep yours? Yes. I, I, I loved it. I did. I really did right, enjoy I'm, it. I'm going to keep really it. Did. I'm going to keep it. And if I've not watched it again by Christmas, remind me. And I'll okay. reappraise. Okay. If not for anything else other than it sort of perfectly encapsulates in aspect the the old lefty viewpoints of you know believing in free speech and and mm -hmm. believing in um, you know because uh, Ian Hogg I love Ian Hogg you yes. know uh, Rockcliffe's Babies on a Friday Wonderful. night was a smashing program wasn't it there was a sort of what was that you you're better at this stuff than me in the late 90s it seemed like after a, a not too long fallow period but it seemed like bbc drama kind of reinvented itself a little towards the the late 80s the early 90s and there was another series again that i mix up with drop the dead donkey because it had the same fella in is it behind between the lines uh, between the lines yeah there was a there yeah. was sort of like a purple patch in the early 90s uh, late 80s wasn't there a decent drama there was, yeah. You, it does. It does all go a bit interesting, though, doesn't it? I mean, well, Rockliffe's Babies is nineteen eighty-eight, right? I think could yeah, be eighty-seven, eighty-eight, something like that. Um, and as memory serves, it was made on videotape, so yeah. it was made partly in studio, and when it was outside, it was on OB video, so it all had a sort of a consistency. Between the lines was nineteen ninety, ninety-one, around there. And yeah. when you get to that point, or it may have been a bit later, because I think Neil Pearson was already known for Drop the Dead Donkey by the time he yeah. did this. But that's on film. And so you do have this sort of like, they, they look different. But I, I do think you get a, a lovely last hurrah mm. of drama at the yeah. end of the 80s. Well, through the 80s. I mean, everyone talks about the 60s and the 70s. But in the 80s, you've got these consistent running serials, which are, yeah. you know, going all the time. Um, and, uh, you know, you've got Howard's Way starting, for God's sake. I mean, you've, you've got Howard's Way, 1985, off it goes. And then Rockcliffe's Babies, 88. So you do have a, a period, I think, of good, strong drama. 
But it's interesting to see those series evolve as they go through that change as well. Like Bergerac, they jazz mm. up the theme tune, don't they? And and yeah. they do change it to. Uh, it starts to look more like those like Rockcliffe's Babies, if you know what I mean. It, what, so they're using more videotape there as well. It does have that look then, doesn't it? Which is, can always look a little bit cheaper. Um, but yeah, you get this. But once again, we're we're coming up to my little cutoff point for nice things, which is of course 1992. Rockcliffe's Babies and everything would have definitely... Rockcliffe's Babies would have been in the Acton Hilton, just rehearsing just below Doctor Who with Sylvester McCoy. Did you know, it they, become they Rockcliffe's been, Follies? It did, yeah. That yeah. was the that was the sequel, Rockcliffe's Folly. Right. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, it was. It was a, a lovely period. But again, unfortunately, 92, we seem to come up against that year over We do. I mean, you had those, uh, as well as that in the late 80s, you have this resurgence of them providing good, solid Christmas drama. <clears throat> you, you know, Silas Marner was one I remember. Uh, I think that's Ben Kingsley, Sir Ben Kingsley. And I think there is, um, what's that one with John Bow in it? The Weaver one with uh, Janet McTeering. Oh, I've got the Weaver's answer by family in my head now. And that won't go away. <laughs> Um, Weaver. That's all I remember of it. Uh, It'll come. Precious Bane. Precious Bane. Right. Precious Bane. So you had those really solid things because HTV used to do some belters as well. You Mm. probably don't know this, Um, but things like Jamaica Inn that they made mid '80s with Patrick McGowan in it. No, I have seen that. It's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. He is absolutely. I would have been genuinely terrified of Magoon on that set. Oh, my God. When he's drunk on the rum by the fire and he's sticking the poker in the bottle of rum, in he? And removing it and drinking And he's like that. I know one day it's going to kill me. But by God, when I drink it, I feel like a king and all that. It's like, wow, more yeah. of this. Mm, he's amazing in it. stunning. Shakespearean. Yeah. He is Lear in it, isn't he? Yeah, Absolutely. He's he's bloody magnificent in that. He he was, but then again, he was bloody magnificent. He didn't act enough, did he? He should have done more things. Yeah, he's an interesting character, isn't he? I mean, apparently on the set of the Prisoner, they all referred to him as the queer fella, which is not mm. as in gay as it's the Irish the, the queer fella. He's yeah. he's an he's an oddity. Yeah. Um, he did a lot of directing, didn't he? I mean, you see him in a lot of those Columbos, which is a, for me, to be honest with you, what? It, yeah. Don't no, want to see him in that. If he'd have turned up, you know, doing a few episodes of Casualty in 1985, that would have been lovely. But that would don't have been want to nice. see him in Columbo. Do you remember the early 80s repeats on Channel 4 of The Prisoner? No. Ah, oh, it's a shame. I wish I did. I just about remember him, and I've got a, a diary from when I was a kid. It's a 1984 one, so they must have been in 84, mm. which would mean I'd have been 11. <clears throat> and the documentary that Channel 4 made after it all you get from McGowan is him sort of from a long shot where he's on a swing. And, 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 and you, know, you know, it's kind of, it still had a massive impact on me mm. then. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that it still has a massive, it's, it's now we're all living in the village. Yes, that's it, very it true. It seems even more so, doesn't it? Mm, it does. But no, I, d- I didn't see them there. I think my first... My first exposure to The Prisoner was um, on VHS when a company called Channel 5 Video, obviously yeah. we are predating Channel 5 here, of course, so Channel 5 Video um, started releasing it. And I remember I remember the first two I bought, which really confused me, was I bought episodes three and four, right. which is A, B and C and Free for All. Yeah. And they were the first two things I watched of The Prisoner. Which so I did not know what the hell was going on in that show. Not a it looks beautiful, doesn't it? It Absolutely. just looks beautiful, you know. That's it. Um, yeah, and I, I, I'm trying to think what I I would have seen it then, bits of it then. Um, I've, as I've said before on this, I, I remember the bits of a penny farthing <clears throat> late yeah. at night. Granada must have repeated it. Mm. Uh, maybe late seventies or something like that. And then I didn't see them till those. Those VHSs came out, and the the spines made up the penny farthing, didn't they? That's right, yeah. Yeah, yes, yes. I remember. I got a rival in the Chimes of Big Ben. I think they're the first two, aren't they? They are. They're the first two. That makes more sense to get those first than episodes yeah. three and four, I have to say. Yeah, I'm not sure why I got them or where I got the money for them, but it, it 
it seemed to be one of those things that everyone talked about. My mate had a vinyl album, you know, the vote for number six and all that yeah. stuff on it. I'm not sure what's on it. One thing I find interesting about it when I got, as I'm certain you've already, you've got as well, the CD set of the, of the music. Yeah, the theme With music all... Uh, and all the different episodes. Yeah, from it's yeah. a network, the network one. Yeah, that's it. Mm. And what I find interesting is if you watch the Omega Man, Charlton Heston, I think it's 1971, is it? Uh-huh. Uh, Ron Grainer reuses lots of his incidental music from the prisoner because he does the music in the Omega Man. Oh. And if you listen to some of Wilfred Joseph's music in the series, it's in there because Wilfred Joseph ori- originally did the prisoner theme, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and then Ron Grainer got the gig. I think someone yeah. else had a go at it as well. Uh, is it the Age of Elegance Grainer's yes, piece? Yes, it is, yeah. I love some of those, uh, and take five, (laughs) (laughs) with a piccolo trumpet goes mad. Um, But Wilfred Joseph, um, who then went on to do the Ghosts of Motley Hall music, Mm. and there's one of those prisoner bits of music, it's like... So the Ghosts of Motley Hall theme, he'd already had a crack at that in the prisoner. Oh, blimey. So that's why these CD sets, you know, those complete, it's like you talking about, and I am aiming towards a, a cosy little Seagear, lad. Okay. Um, and um, it's why it's great to have, be a completist and have these box sets, such as the Season 24 one, Paul. Oh, yes. Uh, there might be something here next to me. Oh, maybe. Yeah, there it is. Ah, now then. Oh. I, I think you need to, for people who can't see at home, this is a, I'm even starting to warm to the new logo. It's a joyous, the packaging on these is beautiful, by the way. It, Absolutely abs- beautiful. Yeah, this is uh, the, the latest uh, Blu-ray Doctor Who set for season 24, which I know is not one you're utterly enamoured with, but, but, I have to say, um, what does it for me with this little box set is the amount of studio footage. Yeah, which will not be to many people's taste. Just watching forty-five hours of people just doing their work, and quite often not even actors, just people doing their work in a studio. Absolutely fascinating stuff. And forty-five hours. But I think it's something like well, maybe not that long, but wow, five ten. God, it's not. Pro- it's not far off that. There's a lot. Oh, there's a lot. Um, well. Like I say, though, it's if you're into a thing, it's... I mean, there's two examples of things I gleaned mm. from a CD set that people, if they weren't into The Prisoner, would have gone, why? Yes. So I'm certain contained within that will be, you know, something similar. I mean, one thing I love that you told me is in it is the rap party. That you've, yes, you've got the rap party from when they shot Delta and the Bannermen, which they actually shot in Wales. They shot it on Barry Island. Um, in a holiday camp, and then they have a full rap party uh, at the end. But it's not <coughs> like people getting up and doing anything professional. Um, you've got you've got like the camera operators getting up and doing a really shit offensive song, and it's lovely. And then <laughs> the visual effects boys get on stage and just blow some shit up. I love right. that. Um, Sylvester McCoy does one of his tricks from back in the day where. He gets someone to hold a piece of elastic between their teeth and then he goes trailing out for absolutely ages and you think, oh, it's going to hit this poor man in the face. But then McCoy just goes, okay, are you ready? And this bloke goes, yes, and opens his mouth and McCoy takes it in the face and all that sort of stuff. It's It's that sort of thing. Yeah. It's just beautiful to watch people sort of like, yeah, just uh, 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 enjoying that life, that life which probably, you know, it's not the same now. It's not the no. same. No. I mean, season 24, I, mm. I know I know the, my reasons why I'm not fond of it, and that's because, you know, I, you, can, you kind of develop these allegiances, don't you, to people that, well, not in your case, but in my case, I will never meet Colin Baker. Um, <laughs> but I was sort of, I felt, I know you've met him. Uh, and what, if, what if he wanted to meet you? Oh, I'd refuse him. him. Sawbones, hex, bring it on. Um, <laughs> No, I'd love to meet Colin Baker. I yeah. don't ever think I will. But what I'm saying is that as a little kid in Haydock with zero opportunity of meeting this man, I felt outraged about the way he'd been treated. And so yes. that was why I didn't want to know about season 24. You know, leave the girl, it's the man I want. And I was like, oh, it's not even him. You know, like when Kate O'Mara utters that line, you know, yeah. with, with all the, um, adding all the sexuality 
into it she knew it should have. It's the man I want. Um, but I, I know I felt I felt really aggrieved about that because we all wanted to see Baker's season twenty four. We all wanted to go to Blackpool. We yeah. all wanted to see Mission to Magnus. We all sort of you know these things have entered into the folklore, and I, I'm sure you're going to tell me now that Big Finish have made them all. They have. <laughs> have they really? Yes, they have. But Whoa. I've not heard any of them because for me those those stories exist. And this is where it's it's like the the Penders Fen issue with me right. being absolutely certain that it's set in Roman Britain. I'm still convinced that it is. By the way, I'm not, I'm not giving oh, up. You've on gone, that. dear. But I think that oh dear, oh, I should be back about now. Yeah, you are. You were convinced it was set in Roman Britain. Yeah, absolutely convinced. So, and I think on those grounds. Uh, when it comes to uh, these other things, I can sort of like allow my imagination to do a lot of the job for me, if that makes sense. Uh, well, same with the missing episodes, wasn't it? That's what we always did. We Absolutely. we imagined Mission to the Unknown and, you know, what it looked like based on the few stills we'd seen. Are exactly, you, yeah. Are you not... Are you confused? Do you think that what you're doing is mixing up something else? Like what? It doesn't Chucky have bits like that when it goes back to Roman Britain? No. No. no, see, you've had one now. No, I know Chucky's... I have, but no, there was something else like that that was yeah. that used to go back. You know, in the same way that I, I, you may not know this, but there was a series called Stig of the Dump. I do uh, know it, yeah. All right, okay, so that was an ITV job, but one that one that Mama only allowed you got, to. Uh, oh no, only because I got the book, and it did say now a major television adaptation, but it, I didn't see it because it was on the Light Channel. Exactly, dear. Was I remember getting that book? I got it as part of the puffin club in school. We used to collect little puffin stickers. Oh God, yes, so did we. Yeah, and save them up. And uh, I got that and the Reluctant Vampire by Eric Markham, mm. um, and like the Lion and the Witch in the Wardrobe. Anyway, yeah. so it doesn't matter. But I'm sure there was a series like that 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 there was a kind of time see maybe this because time slip was like that as well i think you were getting time slip is there a time slip where he goes back to roman britain and finally no, gets to wank no, himself off no. <laughs> <laughs> i've waited two thousand years for this get ready julius no that's been not honestly talk about the foaming in the tiber <laughs> there's nothing like it nothing like that in time slip Nazi Germany, 1990, 1990, 1971, 1990. No, it's... Wasn't the Nazis in the Tomorrow People? Michael well, Sheard. No. Yeah, that's... There, no. There's a... Yes. Oh, yeah. but... Yeah, but extra special Nazis, because it's... Uh, that's an episode <laughs> that starts with the Hitler Youth. Um, and the Hitler Youth are played by Simon Gipps Kent, who was in everything yes uh, back in the day absolutely yes, yes, yes. everything midnight is a place the horns of nime on everything died very young sadly yes um but you've got simon gibbs kemp and nicholas lindhurst as two boy members of the hitler youth yes now that and, is familiar yes now then they're protecting a secret and that secret is that in the 1970s about 1975 uh buried in a bunker Guarded by the Hitler Youth, they have the preserved body of Adolf Hitler because he's not dead yet. Right, okay. Turns out that it's not Adolf Hitler. It's Nibor, a, a shape-shifting alien from the planet Vashir. He's just an intergalactic confidence trickster. He did the Holocaust because, you know, no reason, but he's he's just a confidence trickster. Um... It's the strangest thing, but it is indeed. It's Mr. Bronson doing his Hitler. It is Mr. Bronson doing his Hitler. Yeah. Um, and he did a lot of them, didn't he? He was her Ulrich in Arvidesheim Pet. Mm. I, I'm presuming he was a German speaker, wasn't he? That, that must be it. Do you know what? I'm not sure, but I, I, he was also Adolf Hitler in one of the Indiana Jones films. That's it. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. He was yeah, great, he though, wasn't he? The old Mr. Bronson. Absolutely wonderful. Of course, cornered the market in these horrific human beings, but was one of the nicest people in the world. Yeah, it wasn't... Didn't you say you'd spent time with him at a convention or something yeah. like that? Yeah, um, yeah. God, was it Manchester? All I can remember, particularly, because you never remember the... You just remember, oh, that happened. Um, <laughs> but I do remember when he was announced, because, of course, normally they'll say, and uh, please welcome to the stage, Matthew Waterhouse. And on he comes and everybody applauds well, sometimes. Um, <laughs> and on this occasion, 
he went, please welcome to the stage. And all of a sudden, from the back of the auditorium, we just heard, you boy, sit wow. down. And Brill. this bloke sat down, everyone turned around, and down he comes. Wilson's walk and everybody was fucking silent. Oh man. Oh, it was magnificent. Absolutely wonderful. Oh Absolutely man. wonderful. Yeah, I'd have loved that. I mean, we we've uh, we've often said we should we should speak more about Grange Hill, haven't we really? I mean We we have, yeah, we should. Yeah, Grange Hill, God. So I suppose you all have your year that you get into it with, don't you? Mm. Now, I remember Tucker and Ben, Benny and Pogo, no, no, not Pogo Pats. He was in it, I think. Alan was his fat mate, wasn't he? <coughs> Tucker, That's right, yeah. Tucker. Uh, yeah. And I remember Tucker's look more. I remember the titles where they didn't have money for a bag of chips. Um, but my year was uh, the Gonch, was it? Uh, Gonch. The Gonch. Yeah. The Gonch <laughs> <The gunch laughs> who stole Christmas. <laughs> there was him and there yeah. was a, a scouser or something called Siggy in it Ziggy Ziggy yeah, played by um, he then went on to be in The Bill or Brookside as Brookside. well I, yeah he did yeah and wasn't there a lad called Danny who what was he artistic or something I, I, well they never really explained what it was about Danny but if you remember the most fascinating thing about Danny was him and Bronson not getting on very well and it, it got quite aggressive between the two of them. Yes. And then one morning, Bronson finds his car's been stolen. Oh, no, he, he finds it's been stolen from outside the school. And he ro- throws his head back and shouts, Kendall! Kendall, yes! <coughs> and there's a crane shot going <coughs> going away from him. I'm overexcited. Crane shot going away oh, yes. from him as he shouts, Kendall. And then they find Mr. Bronson's car. And they open the door, and Danny Kendall just goes, and he's hanging out the back dead. Right, did that happen? That happened. Right. If you go on YouTube, look for Danny Kendall, Death, Grange Hill. It's like, oh. One thing, the only only thing I remember about him, and I can't believe I don't remember that. I must have, you know, signed off from the BBC in disgust after they replaced Baker or something at this point. But (laughs) the one thing I remember about him is designing the Grange Hill school badge with on spec on it. I remember him explaining what on spec meant, how businessmen went on spec and all this other stuff. Mm. So I remember that. And I remember a moustache competition with a teacher who shaved his moustache off. And one of the students who'd grown a moustache shaved his off and they weighed it. There you go. (laughs) I don't remember that. The moustache weighing episode. You don't remember (laughs) that. Good God, man. (laughs) Uh, so yeah my Grange Hill memories are scant and I remember there was yeah. a Christmas one where they did a play and it was the same Christmas as K9 and Company and it went off right halfway through and of course yeah. Zamo with his smack in the calculator oh well I remember the smack I remember the, the you know the freeze frame and the end credits um, yeah but some lovely stuff in there it, it was such a good show for the majority of its run wasn't it it was yeah and it was harsh, and it, and it made people say, oh, no, don't want to watch, they shouldn't watch this, which, of course, means they should watch this. Yeah. I don't think it ever recovered. I mean, there was a lot of sacred cows that um, Ben Elton and Rick Mayer, you know, and Aid Edmondson and them slaughtered, and Grange Hill mm. was one of them, wasn't it? Yes. In a in a 20-second um, cutaway on the young ones, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'll That's get spies. You <laughs> get spies. I am spies. Yes. We're the only school kids in Britain who don't say f- and that's yeah. where it goes. And that, and sorry, that, Mr. Liberal. Yeah, that's yeah. oh, sorry, Mr. Liberal. Oh <laughs> my God! But I mean, they were all about doing that, weren't they? I mean, we're long overdue a revolution like this. One thing you probably mm. don't like is what Filthy Rich and Catflap did with the whole of BBC Light Entertainment with "Ooh, uh, sounds a bit rude." No, you know what? I absolutely love that. But right. and it's this interesting thing, isn't it? Which um. You've got the idea of alternative comedy coming along and kicking ass and everyone went boo to Terry and June. But of course, if you look a little deeper, you'll find that the viewing figures for Alexi Sale weren't great. Whereas it ain't half up, Mum was still getting 12 million. So it wasn't like there was a massive revolution. What there was was there was a very gradual shift, I think, in yeah. terms of comedy rather than oh, a yeah. sudden explosion. Yeah. And I think we do need that again because there's nothing... 
that's interesting me comedy wise on television at the moment that I can think of and I know that they haven't been able to film in front of an audience and all that sort of stuff but I'm trying to think I mean you've got the no I can't think of anything well without wishing to sort of because it seems the very popular bandwagon to jump on now isn't it to 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 jump on uh, you know anti-woke everything's woke everything's shit and everything Mm. it's all this woke bullshit and this that and the other Um, for the most part it is but um, it's made comedians afraid and I can't think who uh, said it but someone said every joke is a tiny revolution and I and I think that when you have a society where your entertainers are afraid of opening their mouths Mm. it leads to a stagnation and it leads to an orthodoxy. And I think that's what's going on right now because whatever I've seen of TV comedy over the last couple of years has always been someone gets up and goes, oh, Donald Trump, oh. and it's like, and, and how I got news for you has degenerated into that, oh, well, you know, at least I'm not a Brexit mug. Cue rapturous applause. And it's kind of like, yes, there are obviously, there is humour to be derived from every caricature, obviously. Mm. But as I've said, and as you seem to agree with me earlier, the the establishment is no longer that conservative thing. So when the establishment, i.e. when all these global corporations, when all the institutions, when the government, even the army, you know, when all these corporations, when their view and the um, apparent view of your alternative entertainment purveyors are all in alignment, you have an orthodoxy. And it's mm. one that, you see it on Twitter, if someone dares stray out of that little bubble of conformity and they're not on message with absolutely everything, they are pounced mm. upon and destroyed. But, but I, I, I agree with you on a lot of this, right? But my thought here is, it's what you said about, um, about theatre and, and comedy and, and performance in general, having to be there, you know, actually daring to say things and, and all those sort of things. But I think that, and I completely agree with you there, but normally it's going forward. Uh, it's actually progressing when it's doing that. And at the moment, it seems to be people sort of say, well, I want to say what I wanted to back in 1972. And it's like, well, yeah, you could say that, you boring fuck. Or you could be pushing forward. And I think that my problem is that we aren't pushing forward at the moment. Nobody well, is not. taking performance risks. But that doesn't mean, for me, that doesn't mean the performance risk is to offend people by saying what no. I like and all that. To I me, agree it's about with we're that. just not pushing I agree with, with that, with but the, I would yeah. categorise that as punching down. And and I don't think that punching down really is is, is helpful in any entertainment. Because what you're talking about with uh, comedians in the 70s, oh, I would say what I like, was yeah. generally punching down. Yes. And so when you're punching down, it's kind of like... It... it you don't need. You don't want to be doing that. If you're trying to no, create yeah. s- something that's going to change society and, as you say, progress things, mm. you should be punching up, and you should be having a go. Now, it, it's 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 that, but within very safe parameters, isn't it? Do you know mm. what I mean? We don't do enough punching up in this country. We don't. For example, at the minute, nobody, no comedian, really, in the mainstream will dare criticize the policy of lockdowns and and the way the government's handled this pandemic and stuff like Mm. that nobody will break with the orthodoxy right because immediately they're an anti-masker anti-vaxxer anti this so it's an orthodoxy that's that's an orthodox view that's the consensus view and it's like christopher hitchens always said you know if you choose to seek false security oh no if you choose to seek I can't think what he said. Uh, it's something like shelter in the false security of consensus, then, you know, go for it. Mm. And I think that far too many people do seek security in the false security of consensus. Do you get what I mean? It's safe. And there are a lot yeah. of people who who will not step outside of that orthodoxy for fear mm. of offending, right? Now, punching down is a different matter. Right, mm. that's that's for me. I, I mean, so specific examples that they say about punching down, don't they? They say like Bernard Manning, and they say about, um, I suppose Jim Davidson and stuff like that. And then you do a bit of digging with these two, those two in particular, and you find that they grew up amongst minorities themselves. Mm. So, 
so there's that to be balanced really isn't the contextually um and i'm not defending either of them um and for the most part i don't really see the relevance to now when people start going oh it's that i think that art has stagnated and I think that the blame for that can be laid at the feet of people not wishing to step out of the confines of consensus. That's my opinion. And I don't think that that in any way needs to mean returning to some kind of offence uh, element within any kind of repertoire. No, but it, I think it has to, to an extent. I think there should be there should be a danger, there should be a rough edge, and there should be a risk of offence. Uh, with... Oh, not the offence. Sorry, I meant the punching down. Oh sure, yeah, but I think I think that's what we're missing at the moment is that I think there's a you're right there's an absolute stagnation, and so comedy wise we do either have have I got news for you in its ninety ninth series which is the establishment a now. billion glorious years yeah uh, so you've got that sort of going look at them how awful but then you've got your 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 right wing comedians on Twitter who are punching down so you've got some people who are punching down some people who are just prodding and not punching anything they both need a kick up the arse they do they that's do. what it is they do it's lazy it's so bloody lazy at the moment yeah but i think that you know in the same way that returning to you know the penders fen thing we are barbarians stood in the ruins of empire hmm. you know and that is effectively we are living in the decline of um you know a christian world in the same way that that was framing the death of this Christian world, you know, via the death of the pagan world. And mm. I think that that we we get these events happening certainly around millenniums, don't we? You know, we have these millenarian cults such as Extinction Rebellion. The world's going to end. Yes. To me, they're no different than the guys who used to walk down Oxford Street with the end of the world is nigh. Mm. You know, everything just seems to be reinvented, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So still then. about wanking though Pender's it's fairly. still about wanking <laughs> yeah. but yeah I mean so so for me there's nothing really contemporary that is of interest because mm. um, because the cutoff's 1992 Paul it has to be I'm afraid it's 1992 and that's it it has um, to be but I would say it's worth looking at this season twenty-four because yes, I know you can't forgive Colin. Uh, who, oh no, the, or... no, no, the wounds have healed. The memories are fond. You know, um, um, me oh, okay. and the other, me and another person I'll never meet, Sylvester McCoy. And now, you know, we're all good. It's cool now. That's I'm, good. I'm all yeah, right. it's I'm well right. worth well worth a lovely thing. That uh, did you I like anything else nice, or or, or are we just sticking well, with Penner's no, filth? My friend, who's also a listener, hi Mark. Um, who's who's um, obsessed with 3D printing and good luck to him because hmm yes sounds jolly exciting yeah. um, he made me this this Hoomobile oh. um, now I said to him I said don't they sell these things apparently not so you no. have to make your own so um, yes let's let's just do this and and, and this comes off and oh. isn't that nice yes yes that's so i mean nice. yes so you do see. so i think that you know a little bit of of homemade niceness this week oh, um in, nice. in the form of the old humobile and i was wrong i thought the number plate on the front went like that but it doesn't it's a normal number plate in the middle of it all oh, right you want one Not... of those don't you dear yes mark you're gonna have to make paul one of your please would you Hoomobiles. i'd be very happy i'd be very sad if you don't You'd be very, very sad. Uh, well, I'll get, I'll get in trouble because I have to burgle Mister Livesey's house and take. Yes, him. well, you can have it on the weekends, dear. <laughs> Pick it up on a Friday night and bring it yes. back Sunday afternoon, and I'll have yes. to wash the football kits. Absolutely. Uh, um, <laughs> but yeah, no. Um, well, it's been an interesting chat. Well, it um, has, hasn't it? I wasn't sure how to approach reviewing something. We appear to have reviewed two things, and we've not been given them for free. No, we haven't, which I think is something we need to talk about here, isn't it? Yes, I agree with this. You've got the floor. Okay. Um, obviously, we are here not just to talk about lovely, nice things, but we're also nice here things. to... Yeah, nice things. But we're here to review nice things as well. If you've got something that you would like us to take a look at, and bear in mind that we will say usually nice things. You know, nice we will, things. Yeah, we'll say nice things, because you've given it to us. Um, 
we can say that Pender's Fen is all about wanking because yes. of, we had to buy it. Because it is. <laughs> We've both bought it, you realise. We've both bought it. This was you. You took I... my you took my phone off me and bought it for me. <laughs> you handed it back and there, there you go, dear. All right, I've bought that, have I? But I'm actually I'm okay to keep hold of this. That's I'm, good to I, know. I'm actually all right with that. And I am gonna watch it again, you mm. know. And, and and I'm gonna watch the documentary because I'll as I said, I only tickled its balls. Yeah. Um so I'm gonna watch that again. I think it's worth revisiting when you're not absolutely knackered after work. I'll give it a week and then I'll have a look at it. I will have another look. Let me back to the wanking now. But if you would out there, if you would like us to review anything or anything like that, then of course yes. you can. Uh, because we've now got Twitter, haven't we, Mike? Oh, we have. We've got we Twitter. Have. And I'm going to tell you, I can't remember the address. But if you go onto the Twitter... Uh, we can be found. Come on, bloody thing! We can be found at at Nice Things Show, and we'll put a link below as well. We'll put a link below uh, at Nice Things Show, and you can DM us on that. Oh yes, sounds sounds filthy. Doctor Martins. You can, yes, you can you can DM us on on that and. Well, for whatever you want, really, can't you? Even talk yes. about nice things, ask us to go on about nice things, get yes. in touch to send us nice things, do whatever you want with it. Yes, there have been, it's been nice to get such a lot of nice feedback from people, and, and it is worth it taking a moment to say that we do appreciate people listening. We really do. Yeah, there's been, uh, well, a, a lot of nice comments. Uh, there's been an awful lot of, uh, you know, people already following the Twitter account. What we would really, really like, of course, is if you're listening on iTunes uh, through the Apple Podcast app, if you could just scroll down and give us a little review. The best reviews are the ones with five stars, I believe. Yes, so I That's I what you want that. to be pressing there. Even better if you could write a couple of nice words about the show as well. It just That means that people will actually stand a chance of hearing us then because it goes it gets noticed more if it's got more reviews yes but, uh, yes yes but uh, so there we go so we can be found at nice things show on twitter um or uh on our own twitters yours yes. being the twitters uh, oh my name my name yeah. it's my name michael livesley uh l-i-v-e-s-l-e-y i can never remember mine. mine i put links below dear none, none of our readers can spell Oh, just click the link then. At yes. Paul. There we go. No, it's not. It's, it's, we, we established this is for Peacock. Uh, it, it's Peacock Michael VO. Peacock Michael VO. I was sure. Um, what, what were you the other week? Paul Didsbury or something. What was something that? Something like that. Yeah, I was thinking I was going to get a, a decent little job. And so I went back to the old pen name. What was it again? Uh, it, it, Gorsdale. Gorsdale. That was yeah. that reminded me of when Harold brought a bird back to the yard, and his yeah. his dad a bit, and and he'd find out that you know he was Harry Faversham. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! And I just love she says that as she calls him Harry, because um, it turns out his dad had been uh, with this woman in the past, and and it's where he looks off into the distance like that. <laughs> At mention of the word Harry. Yeah. Oh, Steptoe and Son. I, I could be here some time, but we get on about Steptoe. No, we will get on to Steptoe and Son. And Absolutely. we will get on to Steptoe and Son. We will, we will. Um, so, there we go. So, um, yep, uh, next week, though, we are going to be talking... We haven't talked about this yet. This uh, this is a lovely little independent feature. Was it free, uh, dear? It wasn't free either. Oh, no, we, well, we, they I, better PayPal you the money swiftly <laughs> if they want a nice review, I would say. Yes. But either way, I'm sure we'll have words to say about that one next week. Lovely little independent film. Independent Small nice. envelope of crisp fivers. Uh, yeah, do, like like John Pertwee. That's what you need to be. John Pertwee, <laughs> give us the brown envelope with the 20s in. Right, There's a great Tom Baker one in New Zealand where he's getting in the car at the end and you just catch the, the envelope changing hands. <laughs> yes. Ah, oh, man. Will we have such mercantile transactions again, dear boy? No. I suspect I'm, not. Like most things, I don't think these conventions would work online. No, I mean, uh, it, it's a shame. Um, I I did one. Um, I I was um, hosting one about six months ago. Right. And chatted to Nicola Bryant and Katie Manning and David Banks and Andrew Cartman and all these people. But of course, you want to actually, you want to be on stage yeah. uh, doing them for, for, for no other reason than... When I was on stage interviewing um, Philip Hinchcliffe, who was nice. um, 
Yeah, very nice. Now, the director of Doctor Who, peak Tom Baker time, 70, uh, got the post 74, stayed for about three years. But he, you know, classic stuff. Hinchcliffe and, and I, Holmes? Absolutely. It's that perfect combination. And so I had the chance to interview him. <clears throat> and just before we went on, I said hello. And he said, what, what are you going to ask me about that? And I said, well, I, I'm really interested in looking at the genesis of your work and where that comes from. Um, and so I'd like to ask you about working on Crossroads, because that was his first ever job. He used to write Crossroads. And he just went, oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. Don't ask me anything about Crossroads <laughs> at all. <laughs> I've got quite a lot of notes about your work on Crossroads. That's OK. So I went on stage, start interviewing him. Um, and I had a question in my head about Mary Whitehouse. Nothing normal. It was going to be, was there ever an occasion where you and Mary Whitehouse were in the same room? That was going to be the question. But I said, so can I ask you about Mary Whitehouse? This is in front of about 200 people. Can I ask you about Mary Whitehouse? Oh, no. No, you can't ask me about Mary Whitehouse. No, nobody in this room wants to hear about Mary Whitehouse. Do you? See, they don't. And I'm sat there going, oh, shit. And then he went, you haven't asked me about Crossroads yet. <laughs> brilliant. And then he happily talked about Crossroads. He was brilliant to interview. I miss that being on stage. Yeah. I miss Katie Manning suddenly deciding because she couldn't see me that she had to sit on my knee. I didn't mind that. Oh no. No, 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 before. no. No. What was the no. what was the professor card she ran off with? Oh, it was it was it oh god. I can't remember now. Jones? I used to know. It was. It was Jones. It was. It was. Yeah, she became Joe Jones. One of the one of those nicest quotes I remember of an ex Doctor Who personnel. We're allowed to talk about Doctor Who every couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is is it Ray Cusack who designed uh. the Daleks? And I love it on uh, more than thirty years in the TARDIS where he's like, oh, I saw Terry, and he said, "Oh, well, there's going to be tea towels and and films and and, and posters <laughs> and uh, and t-shirts and 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 lots lots and lots of money." And I and I said, "Oh, count me in," and um uh, and, uh, and 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 I never saw him again. <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, it's uh that's that's the biz, dear. Yeah. It's a shit Didn't business. Didn't he get an exegratia payment of about 20 quid? Uh, yes, well as, done. As, per, as a very well-quaffered and heavily made-up pert, he says to Anne Diamond, on uh, what oh. was that pretend Good Morning Britain programme they had on BBC? Uh, that, no, that was Good Morning with Anne and Nick. Oh, um, was it? Yeah, because yeah. it was like TVAM, but without... But from Pebble Mill. Yeah, without Mike Morris and his dodgy tash. Yeah. Um... And Jane Irving before she went off to make millions out of keep fit videos with soap stars. Um, but anyway, um, you know, more more goss, more fun next week. Have you got a nice week planned, dear? Uh, well, I'll be re-watching uh, Pender's Fen and seeing if it is all about wanking. Apart from yes. that, um, what else have I got? Um, I've got... Oh, God. No, I've got a very quiet... Oh, I've got a... Uh, no. No. I've got a very boring week ahead, but that's okay because it gives me a chance to relax and catch up on some nice things, which nice have been. Things. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't had that record player on for about two weeks. Oh, oh, fatal, dear, fatal. Yeah. So, yeah. so you've got yourself? lots to play. Oh, what am I going to do? I'm going to do some decorating, dear. I seem to. This house seems to be the fourth bridge, and I never yeah. stop decorating. Um, yeah. yeah, I keep finding rooms that seem to need <laughs> attention. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, there's kind of it's it's a big old place, so I find bits that I've not not had any attention for a while. So yes, I'm gonna do uh, I'm going to do one of the middle bedrooms, dear. I, yeah, I, I did nice. the skirting board last week, uh, which was the height of excitement, as you can imagine. Um, so was. yes, uh, the, the boys and girls don't want to hear about my bored, boring life. I'm sure. But, <laughs> um, the summer is here, and and I do enjoy decorating. Decorating is a nice thing. You know? It is a nice thing. It's a very nice thing. I'm shit at it, but I've I got remember no patience. when we had our council house renovated when I was a kid. When they brought the toilet indoors, listen to this. Get that Ovis theme playing. Um, the smell of wet plaster and emulsion takes yeah. one back to uh, season 19 because that's when it, it sort of all comes together. The smell of emulsion and plaster takes me back to Castrovalva and the village video shop through those beaded curtains. And we had an indoor lavatory, indeed we did. Uh, but we, we'll talk more about such things another time. Okay. Um, we will. So um, thank you all for listening, and uh, have a wonderful week. And, have a lovely uh, week. 
and bye-bye all. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Presented by Sir Michael Livesley and Lady Paul Carmichael. The music was written by Michael Livesley and the flutes were played by Andy Frizzell and John No Jokes Please Lewis. Nice Things is a Guilty Dog production.